0: We're going to
1: get going. Yep. Ready? Good. Go. Thanks. Uh, well, thanks for... Um, having us here and for being partners in the conversation around the future of the Alliance Energy Center. I'm Jeff Pertle, I'm the supervisor in the 17th district. I represent the far east side of Madison. Uh, and the loud, old, see the good side, the only side, the east side. Um, and I also chair the personal and finance committee. And I just wanted to kind of give some words of welcoming uh, Marcus here from the Alliance Energy Center. He can answer some questions as well if folks have them. Um, but just wanted to share that this is a step in a sort of a long-term process that we've been having in the county, talking about where the Alliance Energy Center is in terms of its growth potential. It's a tremendous asset here in Dane County and in the city, Um, But as we come out of the Great Recession, we kind of think about where we want to be in the next, not just 5 and 10 years, but maybe 25 and 50 years. What is it, and how do we position ourselves effectively to kind of lead and grow as a facility? And in tackling those questions, we've kind of looked at a a couple of different pieces. This is one study that's pulled together. We're now, based on some of this information, looking to do some market studying and some further examination of how does Alliant Energy Center fit in, both in terms of our regional context, and these folks are going to talk a little bit about maybe what's different about how we do Alliant Energy Center. And one of the, I think, notable differences is that historically, the Alliant entry center is a self-sustaining facility, and that is, I think, relatively atypical of convention centers and other um, enterprises of its type. So as we think about what that means for us as accountancy in our budget, when we think about Alliant Energy Center and its budget, how we provide additional investments and revenues, and how we make sure that this is a facility that can grow and meet the needs of both our major clients like World Dairy and Horse Fair, but also how does it position itself vis-à-vis all the other things that are going on in our community. We have Minota Terrace. We have the Coal Center. You know, folks in Fitchburg are talking about maybe creating a sports complex. What if another music venue comes in? So how do we make sure that we are both well-positioned Position to do that and then how do we plan for those investments in the future um, it's a, a monumental undertaking to continue to uh, fund a facility and make those kinds of investments and part of the reason that we obviously want to share that with you and appreciate your partnership on this is that in six years this will move from the town of Madison and become part of the city of Madison And you know as we kind of look out and think about where this puts us long term I think the county board is very interested in having a conversation about what does that vision look like, both in terms of the development of the facility, but also the leadership of the facility. The city is a partner in that, even exploring a conversation with the state. What we see at Lambeau Field and what we see in Milwaukee are the creation of these entertainment districts, and they open up new revenue opportunities and things that we at the county have very limited taxing authority. If we live under revenue limits, you live under revenue limits. That creates a very different financial dynamic than maybe we had five and ten years ago when you know, concerns about how all the budgets interacted could have been funded on the levy. That's not a reality anymore. We can do a tremendous amount on debt service. We can do a lot of investments in facilities, but operating costs, you know, all fall under that levy cap. And so making decisions about funding here often means you can't fund there. So we think having a vision about what the facility looks like, what its needs are, and how we support it is a really important part of this uh, Conversation. We appreciate the opportunity to share that with you. Um, I'm happy to stick around if folks have questions. But these folks are going to kind of walk through an overview of what's the current state of the facility and how does it compare to its other regional partners. But I just want you to know we sort of view this as the first in a series of explorations about putting together a really solid plan for the next 50 years. And what does that mean and and how do we sustain it? But it's something we're very committed to and and appreciate your time on it. Yes, uh, Alder uh, DeMarco.
0: Thank you, sir. Um, I'm curious, is it appropriate now to talk about the next RFP that's gone out or where you're – I mean, I understand that you're going to be presenting on where you're at, but where your next steps are, or would you like to do that at the end?
1: Uh, I could do it in either way. Mm -hmm. So so there's a couple different pieces um, in play, and and I should be candid. There are different uh, visions even within the board, but certainly within elements of county government about how we should pursue uh, this. And I think that's a good and healthy conversation. I mean, what we're going to lay out here is a range of activities from basically continuing to do what we do now, the the minimum investment approach, sort of an incremental improvement approach, um, which has some modest investments to keep the facility Alive and moving and kind of on par with uh, the, the vendors that we have coming in now and a more substantial investment in the future. And those options are sort of out for conversation. Subsequent to that, there have been a couple of things that have come to fruition. The county executive, I think, is very committed to a um, – his vision is very much about kind of continuing the work that we're doing now. He's made it very clear he's least not – publicly in his letters, not very in a significant investment in the Alliant Energy Center or the new revenue approach, these kind of conversations around the entertainment district and these partnerships. I think he feels strongly that we can kind of continue doing what we're doing with existing resources and continue to serve the clientele well. Part of that is he's released a series of RFPs to do sort of what we do at the airport I would say, which is sort of lease out part of the public land that's there and allow vendors to come in and wrap in restaurants or other entertainment options around the current uh, existing footprint. And those may generate some very interesting results. I think we're interested to see what comes out of that. One of our concerns would be is moving forward, that might lock us into the existing footprint. And part of the long-term master plan might raise questions about what if we want to move the footprint around, you know, based on the Veterans Coliseum. Should we continue to invest in that facility or does it make sense to tear it down and create a different music venue or sports complex or other things on the grounds? That might require reshaping the actual landscape of the facility. So our next steps, what we've proposed, um, are twofold. A market study to really analyze what the current market opportunities are and what we think the future market opportunities are gonna be, Again, looking at music, competing menu sizes, sports, agriculture and county entertainments, you know, all those pieces. And then really writing a master plan. And we wanna to pull together and look at a range of options. And it may have phases and it may have options within that. What if we pursue an entertainment district? If we were to get one, then we could do this. If we can't, then with existing resources, we could do that. Um, and kind of laying out some options so that we better understand where the future of Alliant Energy is going so they understand that. And for us, as the finance chair, so I have a better understanding and the board has a better understanding of where we think our financial obligations are going to be in this and how we're going to meet them to ensure it's successful.
0: Question? Yeah. Thank you. And if, if you're not prepared to, to speak to this, I'm totally fine, but I just think I'd want to talk about the elephant in the room. And to me, um, an so elephant. Keep in
1: mind, we, we, we don't allow elephant. Be
0: <laughs> no animals in the building, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so, um,
0: so soon? <laughs> one of the questions um, I think that a lot of elders will have is that we understand that annexation is in 2022 for this property. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a huge, it could be a huge change mm-hmm. to a very large piece of land. And so, um, you know, with, it's, I, I know on your, um, there's a proposal with seats for the city on mm-hmm. a committee and, and that sort of thing. But um, I was wondering where if you could speak to where the county board was at with wanting city involvement with this and where the county board is at. And I know that you're not the only, I mean, the town of Madison and the um, Fitchburg would be a part of this, but just speaking of early annexation or partial annexation of just this property.
1: So, I mean, I think from the board's perspective, there's kind of two pieces to this. And some of this really depends on there is a pathway where the county is in the long run the sole proprietor and exclusively responsible for financial operation, regardless of whether it's in the city or in the town. And in that world, there are certain options that are available to us. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But they are fairly limited in terms of revenue. I mean, we can underwrite the debt to help improve the facilities, and we could transfer operating dollars if necessary, but I think there's some strong reticence to do that on the county board, and there's some significant opportunity costs as we're looking at expanding services for homelessness, mental health, those kinds of things. So I think the board's position is, we need to seriously look at what a new revenue model might look like and that really requires us to either partner with the municipality which in the long run, my friends, is you or in looking at these entertainment district questions which could be exclusive to a line but could have a larger footprint. It could consider things like Monona Terrace that would require legislative action and you know, I think rightly so, the county exec is mildly skeptical of the legislature's willingness to do nice things for Dane County Um, but if there was I think a serious plan and deep commitment from the business community and the vendors and all of us, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to construct a compelling argument about here's how you really need to finance a facility of this size, magnitude, and prestige in the future. And that takes other kinds of revenue sources that we don't exclusively have right now. And that means shared governance between the partners that need to be at the table to discuss that. That's something we're very committed to. And it's sometimes hard to work across all the different... We struggle within county government, so working across units of government um, I think certainly can be challenging. But let me say this. I think it's crazy for us to have a conversation about Alliant Energy that doesn't also involve Minota Terrace, doesn't take into consideration the coal center and how it's possibilities in terms of music and opportunities, what other municipalities in the region are doing for sports complexes and music venues. We have to be more coordinated in that um, to really make sure that we have an effective vision to do this. I think we want to avoid you know, the two worst case scenarios, what we see going on in Milwaukee County with the domes, the Mitchell Park domes with significant deferred maintenance and not making the kind of investments they need to be safe and viable and productive. Or what we've seen in other areas of government across the country where sometimes there were significant public outlays for huge projects that then didn't really ever come to fruition on the revenue side. And then the local government was on the hook for all these operating costs or debt costs. So, you know, I think we want to think big, we want to think collaboratively, we want to think about how we tie all this together, but in a cautious way about, we want to be sustainable and we want to make sure that we can keep the kind of facility that people expect and value and treasure, um, but in a way that doesn't compromise any of the other things that we do, and it's hard to consider doing that without a plan.
2: Would you like to answer? So when you talk about the more extensive investment approach, um, basically starting over with your planning and building, uh, the, demolishing the Coliseum and building something new. How does that affect some of the venues that we have that have signed a 20-year contract? And Well, you can ask that, then I have a follow-up
1: question. Sure. So, and I want to be clear, I don't know that we're committed to doing that necessarily. I think what we want to see is, what does that involve? And that's one of those questions is, so we have longer-term contracts. It depends on, a lot of the long-term contracts are in the exhibit hall and not necessarily in the Coliseum, which is more of an entertainment venue. But we do have some long-term contracts there for sure. And so our ability to deliver on those contracts has to be factored into any significant renovations that we do. Now, that's also true of our ongoing, meeting the ongoing needs of our current customers. We have looked at investing in improvements in the roof, curtaining, the lighting system. So no matter what we do, whether it's a whole teardown, if it's a remodeled existing facility, if it's more incremental, it does impact when shows can come, you know, how the whole scheduling process works. But that's a barrier to being able to do something, and likely in that scenario, it depends. If it has a significant impact, you probably have to build the new facility, and then honor those contracts in the new facility and then tear down the old one, which gets to the footprint question, that if we've ourselves in it being configured a particular way, that limits your ability to, just like when you build roads, you build the new road and then you tear down the old road, you have to be able to phase that project. Um, I'm not an expert in that, but I think that's what we want to see in the planning before we even really consider committing to something like that. Yes, and
2: then my follow-up question is, taken all that in consideration um are we looking at and I know this is just a vision Mm -hmm. but are we looking at building something that is iconic or are we looking at building another glass building because I think we have a few of those here
1: (laughs) well I think that's a a, probably many steps down the road in the planning and design (laughs) process um you know, it was interesting. One of the constituent contacts I got when this whole conversation came up was what was one of the guys in my district. He said, I'm tired of you guys referring to the Coliseum. It's the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And that, like, was really, really important to him. That meant something to him, his generation, and really felt like the fact that we don't consciously refer to it that way, that that to him was iconic. Um, I think that depending on which path ultimately gets pursued in this, and the master plan may have a variety of options, it could run the gambit of choices. And I'll just be totally honest. There might be people's preferred option, but if there's not financing to support that, that option's not going to be realistic. I mean, I don't know that I'm in total agreement with the county exec, but I share his skepticism on a massive investment in the facility with the county's current financial structure. I don't know that I feel comfortable putting $120 million dollars in debt service, I mean, that's seven or eight million. I think he's right. I mean, that, the facility generates nine or ten million dollars a year. That seems like a lot of debt service for the county to take on. To you know, what's the revenue growth really going to look like there? Now, they're going to show you some great data that says there's going to be a lot more folks that come in and it pays for itself, but this is why we need to do some really rigorous study. I want to see real and meaningful discrete options and then engage all our partners in what do we actually think is the right answer here and how much are we willing to put into it. Because while I think a Alliant is very important and I would say the board feels very strongly that we should have a plan, I don't want to mistake that to say that we think that line Energy Center is our number one financial priority and we think that's where the most important investment needs to happen is. I think we have significant concerns about our operating obligations, our human services obligations, and so aligned as part of a portfolio of how are we making sure we're meeting all our obligations, and if we don't have a plan, that makes us nervous because in the last few years, we have had to underwrite some parts of that. And realistically, I think going forward, there needs to be some government underwriting of the facility. We are an outlier in this, and I think it's unrealistic to expect in the long run that we can operate self-sufficiently. That's a great goal. And it's great that we've made it, but that is not typical of these facilities, and I don't know that I would plan based on that.
0: Yes?
1: Yeah. Thanks for coming. I don't think
0: your
3: mic's on. Wow, let's match oh. it thank you. He is magic. Thank you, Joe. So I know I'm coming. I I kind of feel like I'm coming late and coming, you know, and where we're at, we are where we're at. So, mm-hmm. so can you just sort of talk about the bigger picture of how much of this land is just is the county considering? For I mean it's a huge area. I mean, you think of the island Willow Island and all the stuff that kinda goes around behind, you know, Mm -hmm. near Coster. And so is is that all in play or just sort of the frontage that's near Rimrock or kinda can you help to sort of at least set the big picture?
1: Yeah, I think in the big picture sense, most of it is not in play. A lot of it is wetlands, a lot of it is environmentally protected and not really available for development. And I don't know that we would even if it was that we would support doing that. Um, I think that with the county executive laid out in his RFPs, he's identified, I don't know, three to five plots of land that he thinks could be used for development. I think there's some back and forth on is there wetlands in any of these and those kinds of things. Um, so I don't know that it would radically expand the footprint of a Lion Andrew Center in terms of the current makeup. I think we're probably more interested in thinking about, you know, the, I think we built the Coliseum 47 years ago is it at the getting to the end of its useful life and are we planning for however that replacement happens or renovation happens how does that fit in so we don't walk up to oh by the way this is broken now we need to fix it and we need to write a big check to do that so I think some purposeful planning Um, my experience in government says that at the best case it will take us years to write a plan and longer to come up with how we're going to do it and then by the time we get it done I mean it could be 10 years before we bring something to fruition. So I don't think it will be hitting the panic button tomorrow and see any major construction projects slash the day center. So, you know, I just think we need to be realistic about the real challenge for us is thinking about who the partners are, where we're going to be, how do we deliver that, and do we do it together?
3: So this is just my own desire to share, but um, so now I work across the street. So I look at the Alliant Energy Center every single day, mm-hmm. and it's you've seen the new hotels go up. So there's like it's the, the market believes in this center, mm-hmm. so it's clear that that's happening. So you know I just you know want you to know that I'm like across the street every day. So I'm thinking about what what's the best for it, and um, just how a lot of that that parking is underutilized, but sometimes you really need it all. Just yes. How do you do? You know, parking structures. What is you know? I mean, I know it's ten years, and I know because I've done things that take ten years, so uh-huh. I know exactly what you mean. But it's a really, it's a really important key thing. And I think I stick for everybody saying we're really you know
1: here to work with you if we can. We would love to work with everyone and bring everyone to the table. So. Thank you, sir. Sorry, that was supposed to be quick, and I don't think it was. But I appreciate your time. All right, guys.
0: Mr. Dunn, you're up.
4: Good evening. good evening. Good to be back as always. I'm Bob Dunn, uh, president of the Hamas Company. Uh, I'm going to give a quick overview of the study that we've done and then my counterpart, Rob Robinson, will take you through the detail of the study uh, and sort of explain the, the progression and the logic that was used in the analysis. Our firm uh, has been involved in many projects like this across the country, so I think we have a good appreciation for really the range of ideas and options that should be and, and oftentimes are considered in these situations. Uh, a little different than many consultants, uh, many firms that are involved in these kinds of projects are involved really sort of just at this stage and do certain analytics, and then that's sort of where their, their efforts end. Uh, our practice is a little bit different in that we get involved at this stage and then we're involved in these projects uh, all the way through to operations. Lambeau Field, probably the best example here in Wisconsin of a project that we took from this stage, created a strategy and then a vision and then a plan and then an execution of the redevelopment of Lambeau Field that was really a you know a multi-year uh, plan for the development of Lambeau Field in Titletown and I think the results that are being realized uh, in Brown County speak for themselves today. So uh, before
0: you get going, can we just do one housekeeping question? Sure, huh? Are you comfortable with taking questions as you go through? Or would you like to group them at certain times? Whatever's
4: whatever. Whatever comes. Desire is fine. All right. Uh, good. So that's just uh, you know a little bit of of what brought us into the assignment with uh, the city, the county, and uh, the CVB. Uh, the, the approach that we took on this uh, from the very beginning was not to look to author a specific plan for an improvement to the Alliance Center. That would be premature. Really what this study does is to evaluate uh, different strategies for redevelopment. I I think pretty much anyone would agree doing absolutely nothing is not a viable alternative. Um, You know, that would, its fate would not be good. These are just... Uh, public facilities that require some level of ongoing investment so if you set aside the notion that you can just do nothing and survive that would be a, that would be a really challenging assumption to make so from there we step forward and say what are the what are the realistic alternatives to consider and generally speaking uh, I'm going to give you kind of the preview and like I said Rob will give you the detail but generally speaking what we came down to was a strategy really looking at three, Uh, fairly distinct alternatives. Uh, Option one was basically to retain the core facilities in their current state and make modest levels of investment and improvements to the current facilities over time. Uh, What that means is the lowest public investment, uh, but I would also argue the flip side of that is uh, you are probably establishing a plan for the future that would have those venues operating at a deficit and likely at an increasing deficit over time. Uh, I know the county is looking at uh, some improved operating results this past year over what occurred in 2014, but I think I can say uh, without any hesitation that you really can't find a situation nationally where someone has taken a an approach like that and thrived. Uh, In in almost any case that you would look at, you'll find that, uh, generally speaking, operating deficits become the norm, and as this market becomes more competitive, it would be likely that those deficits are likely going to increase over time. It doesn't mean it's not a strategy to consider, but it's one where I think you have to be very deliberate. No matter which path you pick, I think you have to be deliberate in picking a path and comfortable with what the likely outcome is going to be of that path. So, again, if you look around the country, uh, most complexes like this have gone through or are going through some level of capital investment, and in many cases it's fairly significant capital investment. Uh, So that's kind of strategy one. Strategy two was a little bit more of a middle-of-the-road solution, and the strategy there was basically uh, a, a more concentrated and more significant public investment Uh, in core facilities and some improvement to the campus facilities which Rob will take you through the program details on that Uh, again increased public investment but with that strategy uh, what what we outlined was basically a a financial result that would get you to a point of hoping to sustain uh, sort of a zero-sum game not not an operating deficit but not an operating surplus either uh, but to be able to sustain that without the same level of public investment that option three would require. Uh, and you can find some examples around the country of where that is being done and, and the objective is to maintain you know, a solvent base of operations over time. The third option uh, is, a, is a fairly uh, significant uh, strategy in terms of the public investment and the program and development that could occur on that campus as it was said earlier you've got a significant land base there so the third strategy is basically a major improvement and capital investment to facilities to bring them up to the market norms that we would identify whether it's the arena or some of the other facilities out there uh... and then to look at a major redevelopment of the campus itself with the idea of responding to and speaking to many of the demands that we see in the market today and I'll come back to that point. The third strategy though would involve as you would expect the greatest level of capital investment both public and private. The idea here is it's really an economic development strategy. It's really about using those facilities as anchors in the community to ignite a regional economic development strategy to heighten visitation to grow spending and to create a fiscal gain to the city and the county and the state Uh, that we don't realize from those facilities today. And that's, I would argue, that's generally where you see the trends in this industry going. Uh, So that's the analysis that you're going to see. There's really these three strategies that have differing levels of capital investment, public and private, different levels of fiscal gain. And uh, one part of the analysis that we've done is really to look at the market. Uh, When you look at the market in these venues, in whatever, whether it's sports, concerts, other entertainment shows, what have you, you'll find it's a a very active market today. Uh, The venues that we compete against, are there are more of them. Uh, Many of them have been improved and enhanced significantly. And uh, the latest trend and and market reality that, that we're identifying is, This notion of these facilities being at the core of a more diverse campus, where there are outlets for retail, dining, entertainment, things that draw people to the city. Uh, And that's also what creates the sort of the shared public and private investment.
0: We have a question, other sellers? Um, Yes, Mr. Dunn, one of my colleagues um, mentioned something about the potential for impact um, on some of our other um, venues, whether it be the Cole Center or Overture Center or Orpheum or some that uh, other uh, venues that are kind of on online or being developed. Was that included in your analysis of this at all, the impact on other venues?
4: Yeah, it, it was. We didn't get into a you know a deep competitive analysis but Uh, You know, our situation here in in Madison and Dane County is is not radically different than communities of this size and larger where we are, you know, competing against other venues. Uh, Many communities that you would analyze have similar types of venues. We, you know, we probably are somewhere in the average. Uh, Some communities, generally smaller, don't have the, you know, the, the breadth of venues that we have. Larger communities have more. So it's not an uncommon. Situation to have multiple civic and entertainment venues. When you then break it down and you look at something like the Kohl Center, uh, you know it's. I think it's sort of a uh, a market reality with collegiate venues that more and more dates and availability of those venues are becoming harder to find in the commercial market. So. That's not to say the Kohl Center is not a competing venue, but I think you'll see it less of a competitor over time, not more. Places like Overture, Monona Terrace, what have you, uh, you know, I would never argue that they're mutually exclusive venues. But if done right, what you hope to accomplish is to create complementary venues that can bring more utilization to the community. Uh, and there's many good examples of where that's being done today. So, yes, we did analyze it. Uh, but we did not go venue by venue and really try and measure what is the event mix between each venue and then how do you grow that or how is it impacted at the Alliance Center. So uh, just to wrap up, uh, I I think what 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 we face here is really a question of, of measuring and evaluating this strategy and these alternatives as to whether or not we're looking to grow into this market and really looking at these venues as, are they assets to the community or are they liabilities? And I would never argue that they're liabilities you know, in their entirety. I'm speaking more from an economic standpoint. And I think that's something that we have to really consider and weigh. And as I said, I, I think what has to be done is to formulate a plan and select in a very deliberate way a strategy to move forward. Uh, you know sort of putting the blinders on and saying you know it's going to happen like this and we'll do more with less and things like that there's no proof there's no evidence there's no good examples you can point at uh, this market is is pretty well defined so I think any of these three alternatives uh, are, are well understood today I think there's many good examples out there uh, nobody really breaks the norm today uh, this is a very active market there will be more competition in time not less It wasn't that many years ago uh, that Wisconsin Dells, as an example, was not a big draw for these kinds of events that we might be talking about here. Today, that's still a new market that's evolving very rapidly. And we talk a lot in in markets like Madison about what are your competitors. Well, in this case, the Dells is a very uh, active and thriving competitor, and there will be others in time. So I think we have to think carefully about the strategies that we have and pick an alternative. It's never easy in Madison and Dane County, but pick an alternative that we can go forward with, like I said, in a very deliberate way and begin to work through the mechanics of how to get something like this done. So. We have a couple of questions. All right. Alder Carter.
2: Yes, Bob, can we just go over the options again? So option one was the lowest public investment. Right. So would that be just trying to make the restrooms ADA compliant, something really minimum? Okay.
4: Yeah, and, and there's then, a, you know, it's something that's just... Continuous over time. Okay. You know, there's not a two-year improvement, and then you're good for 25 years. That's a strategy where every year you're going to have to make some level of capital investment.
2: Okay. And in the middle of the road, I got that one. But can you go over option three? When you said public investment, are you talking about quasi-government with uh, government and private sector investment in the facility? Yes. Okay. Thank you.
5: Bob, when you talk about um, uh, other cities having great examples of this um, I'm I'm really interested to know if you have any specifics on not just other communities that articulated this similarly and made the leap but other examples of uh, cities that have been able to demonstrate economic development value uh, from this um, is that in the presentation, or is that something we'll get to?
4: Uh, it is. I don't want to steal Rob's thunder, but I, you know, I can speak to it simply. Uh, as I mentioned, Green Bay and Brown County. Uh, the plan that we started with at Lambeau Field you know, was, was a good example of option three. Uh, you know, there was a significant investment that was made in Lambeau Field with the, with the underlying idea that it would prompt private investment. And over time, that public investment would drive increasing private investment. You know, and the fiscal, the fiscal gain uh, to the city, you know, the village, the county, and the state, uh, as a result of the redevelopment of Lambeau and Titletown, Town, has had a very measurable positive fiscal impact on all governing jurisdictions, and to this day. The private investment is is really what's driving it. You know, the public investment was made and it's now triggered significant private investment. The measures that we use are growth in visitation, spending, tax base, etc. So that's one close to home. There's another project that I think Rob will mention uh, that we're just kind of wrapping up in Allentown, Pennsylvania uh, that we've been involved in since 2000, 2009. 2009. Uh, that's a project, I don't know if any of you have ever been to... Allentown, but Allentown uh, was suffering in a very significant way, uh, not because we were in the you know the trough of a recession, but because the steel industry packed its its bags and left many you know a generation ago, and and really left the city in a state of extreme blight. And uh, so similar kind of strategy here, there it was originally intended to be an investment in an arena, uh, not a replacement in a new arena. Uh, what's occurred there is a major revitalization of downtown Allentown anchored by an arena uh... and it's led to major growth in retail residential corporate office major medical center uh... i mean it's truly it's revolutionizing downtown Allentown i think today there's been a total of about one point three billion dollars uh... of active development that's either constructed and occupied or is currently under development, isn't it, right, about 1.3, a little over a a billion three, in a market that, you know, was, there was no market. Uh, So those are two examples we could talk a lot about. Uh, In markets, you know, I I would say that you would consider to be competitive markets to the situation here in Madison.
5: Yeah, in some ways. Thank
0: you. Alder Revere.
6: Thank you, President Demar. First, I need to apologize. I need to uh, take leave momentarily to attend a neighborhood meeting. It started at seven o'clock and but I'm going to be sure to uh, watch the rest of this uh, briefing on City Channel at a later date but I, I want to thank the three of you gentlemen for being here uh, to present to us. This is probably a question I could have or should have asked Jeff in the introduction, so I don't know if Jeff actually wants to answer it now or not, or, or Bob, you could answer it, and I don't want to also jump the gut if Rob as a slide that would answer this question, but I think it would be helpful to all of us if you could give us more of the background of, of uh, who all was involved with the study. I vaguely recall that, I think it was mentioned in passing already tonight, that the city helped fund uh, the study um, that there was a line item in our operating budget a few years ago, or we we helped fund the study, I presume through room tax uh, money, perhaps. Uh, and and I understand that there was city representation on the task force, that, but I don't quite understand the role of the task force and and did they work in hand in hand with Hamas in and, and developing the study, and then well, I guess maybe lastly is specifically who from the city was on the task force. I believe Greg McManus or Monona Terrace director was. I don't know if any of the current alders were or former alders no. um, that represent the adjacent areas. So if, if any of you could answer that, that would be helpful. Uh, want to... um, and particularly as you're coming forward, Jeff, just particularly interested in what the city's we already asked you what the city's role might be in the future with the annexation, et cetera, but what's the city's role been thus far?
1: And, and will, to get at. Sure, Here's and um, I was not on the study committee, so I'm going to be the first to acknowledge that I don't actually know the full membership of the committee. It started as uh, a resolution. Part of this process really started three years ago, and we were looking at sort of the incremental increases we were doing, particularly in the Coliseum, and generating a kind of a visioning process around this, um, Initially, we had asked the county exec to lead the process. I think he felt that other leadership was more appropriate in that area and declined, and so the committee was formed uh, with a variety of folks. I think, as you acknowledged, I think Greg was on the committee. I, uh, I
0: can actually help out here. If, yes. If you don't I'm mind, drowning. that's okay. Um, Greg McManners was on this. Steve Cover was on it and former Alder Strasser. And um, Ms. Erdman is... Or, Yeah, has left. I don't know what their current involvement level is. Um, Have you been sitting on the committee, Sherry?
2: Yes. I was going to say that I was on it. There was a couple of Dane County supervisors on it, Um, Monona Terrace. um,
1: Convention Visitors Bureau, I think, was on it. Yes,
2: yes. So there was a variety of people on it. Um, And, of course, I just joined it.
6: So this is an ongoing committee that's meeting regularly?
1: I think it went through this study process, and now that this study is convened, part of the resolution that we have subsequently passed calls for for a new committee to be formed to continue overseeing this, and that was the reference uh, that um, Alder DeMar made to uh, the appointment process and having neighborhood representation, city representation, county representation, kind of an ongoing oversight and planning process. It's really designed to be intergovernmental in its um, approach.
6: So this is the resolution that the county board adopted and the county executive has vetoed? That is correct. And it will be an override I presumably, at your next meeting? It will
1: be decided on Thursday.
6: Okay. So uh, then again, I'm sorry, just going more with the history, Jeff. So what year, how long is this many years in the making, and does anyone know how much the city contributed to the effort? And I heard who our three members were, and then Alder Carter replaced Alder Strasser. Um,
1: I 35,000. The city. I, Mark's yeah.
6: answering. Did yeah. was Mark introduced
1: everyone at the beginning? Yeah, clerk. I, I referenced Mark, but did you want to introduce him. yourself so everybody knows who so you are know, in case they have questions? Mark, I'm
0: executive You need to come forward and introduce yourself, sir, because this Star. is being taped. <laughs>
6: Thanks. As Mark's coming forward, I'll just disclose I have the pleasure of serving with Mark on the Monona Terrace Board. Uh, he's a great partner, Monona Terrace.
7: Meeting. Uh, my name is Mark Clark. I'm the executive director of Alliance Energy Center, and uh, I do sit on the Minona Terrace Board of Directors, also.
6: So, Mark, maybe then you're the best one to answer. Sorry. What year did the, the this committee form, and uh, what year did the study then start? And- this and you said it was $35,000 the city contributed. Yeah,
7: it was 100000 from the county, thirty-five from the city, and then 20000 from the Convention and Visitor Bureau. That was the total pot that was put together. Uh, this committee started, I'm going to say, early 2013. There was another task force that some of you may remember. It was a task force that the county executive had put together um, pre-2012, and um, that one did some work, but that was a separate task force than the one that was in charge of overseeing this study that we're gonna talk about tonight.
6: So the committee still technically is formed, they just have been on hiatus. Oh and no, no, the committee so dissolved he, itself.
7: Like Jeff mentioned when this right. um, study was what we're gonna say concluded and the results were presented to us.
6: And that was last year or even longer ago?
7: No that was two months about yeah, so, two, so two months ago. That task force as we known it known it know it ceased. Now there'll be a new committee put together to help govern and oversee the next phase, which is the resolution that uh, is mm-hmm. on the table right now. So the current one did their job, what they were asked to do. And many of the members will probably be the same because they were asked if you'd like to proceed and continue on on the next phase, on the next committee, to stand up and say yes. So many of those same members will move on. I know Greg wants to be part of it. I know C V B is going to be part of it. So there will be another committee starting that may not look exactly the same. I know the chair, uh, Scott McDonald, is going to step away from chair, so we'll be a new chair of this new one. But it will be a different committee as you know it.
6: Okay, great. Thank you all for the background. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you.
8: Hello, <clears throat> Rob Robinson, Hamas Company. Thanks for the helpful background, Jeff, Mark, Bob. We have about 35 slides to go through, so I'm going to go through rather quickly. A lot of the topics uh, were just touched on, but uh, this will give a little bit more of the background and and some of the data that we've been referring to. So uh, we gave some of the acknowledgments to the uh, to actually the committee, but uh, also uh, important to talk about the the team of professionals that. Uh, contributed to the study. CSL International uh, did the survey, research, uh, data analysis, uh, the SWOT analysis, which I'll go through, which is the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats uh, facing uh, Align Energy Center, um, and also provided uh, their analysis of industry trends, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we get into uh, the study. Sinkholms Death Lefts Architects, uh, they're a firm that we've worked with uh, several times, have done about 50 uh, small and large arenas, coliseums, uh, and about 30 or 40 convention centers throughout the United States. Uh, very specialized uh, business and have done very well in the field. C.G. Smith <clears throat> provided some facility condition survey information, also some rough order magnitude cost information that, that helped form the basis of some of our analysis and uh, we were sort of leading the, the charge uh, of the consultant team. So getting a little bit back to the, to the background, what is the, uh, the purpose and the, the general overview of the study? Um, We really started uh, about a year and a half, almost two years ago now, looking at the status of the existing facilities out there on campus, uh, analyzing the uh, financial performance of the facilities, looking at competitive market factors, uh, looking at real estate development opportunities on the site, assessing fiscal and economic impacts of potential options. Bob went through the, the three options. We'll go through those in some detail. We were also asked to look at some potential governance structures. What form of governance do you put in place to provide oversight in a a newly redeveloped uh, Alliant Energy Center campus? That was uh, something that we spent a good deal of time with, and I'm going to go through that. Um, Also providing some strategies, some options for financing the improvements. Um, And as we went through the study, really we, we determined that the uh, Energy Center is at a, a very critical stage. I think Bob framed it up very well. Um, there have been operating deficits for a number of years. In 2015, Mark has informed us that um, there will actually be a profit this year for 2015, the year ended 2015. Um, however, that doesn't really solve the problem from a longer term perspective. So we need to address um, these issues. We need to address them quickly. So as we've gone through and begun to define the problem um, I think we've hit on a couple of these topics but um, it's a competitive world. There are a lot of competitive venues out there that are doing similar things and doing them very successfully and they've also received a lot of investment over the past 10 to 20 years. Um, There are significant public subsidies both from an operating perspective and from a capital improvement uh, perspective in these competing facilities. And we'll illustrate that point with a couple of slides. Uh, the report, if, uh, if you're able to, to get a look at it, it's on the county website. Uh, it actually provides quite a bit of background information and I'll just touch on some of the highlights here. Uh, we talked about the operating deficits. Um, you know, 2014 was, was probably the most severe of those deficits. $758,000 um, that is turned around uh, in 2015, but longer term, some strategies need to be put in place to avoid those deficits.
0: Rob, can yeah. we also interrupt you with yes. questions? Okay. All their errands?
9: Yes. Just to clarify terms, you write AEC, which to my knowledge is the structure in the center on the left. Is that the only one we're referring to, when you say no, AEC, the, or the, the entire thing—the entire 164-acre campus. Thing?
8: The, the campus. campus? Okay. All of the uh, the grounds, all of the facilities found on that yeah. campus. That building is just
10: the exhibition.
8: That is.
9: So we'll just refer to similar. that as the exhibition. Just I'm just trying to get the name straight. Right. The exhibition. Go
8: ahead. So sir. The building at the top. Um, and actually, we've got a, a slide coming up that'll sort of define these as we go forward. Why don't we just jump to that? Can I ask a question about this? Yes
10: for deficits, Thank you. Um, the, the deficit that you described for 14 is, that is um, includes incremental capital improvements or is that uh, completely separately
8: budgeted? Uh, there were some capital improvements included in there. I couldn't say exactly what that number is, Mark. do you have that number top of mind?
5: Sorry, Mark, thanks.
2: Or perhaps you should sit closer.
0: Oh, <laughs>
10: yeah, uh,
7: so our operational budget, we're 100% responsible for our own debt service. So when we had the roughly $750,000 deficit in 2014, that was a combination of uh, operational income, operational expense, plus debt service, plus our own capital improvements, which is around $500,000 uh, for 2014. Okay. That was borrowed money that we put into the facility.
10: And is there any set aside for future capital improvements in your operating budget? Um, or do you yes, borrow I, for that? If we did borrow. Uh, I have about $600,000 uh,
7: in borrowed money this year that will be put in towards capital improvements.
10: Okay. And the debt service is part of the
8: part of your operating that, budget for that? Yeah,
7: that borrowed money goes to our debt service okay. that we're fully responsible for. Got it.
8: Thank you. And, again, as, as Bob summarized, that's you know that's a bit unique in these facilities. Uh, we'll get to a slide shortly that shows a comparison of several competing facilities and how their public funding component comes in and offsets a lot of those types of issues so that they're able to, uh, to operate at a small surplus or at a sort of a zero balance. Um, so the opportunity, I think you know, we, we touched on some of these, but the, the, the opportunity we see is you know, such an important site. Um, it's a gateway to the city, gateway to the region. Uh, so to reposition the campus uh, to, uh, to compete in the, in the top tier uh, of competitors around the country, I think is a, is a worthy goal. To capture new market share uh, for facilities of this kind, um, to eliminate the continuing operating deficit, uh, create sustainable amenities and services for the community uh, and for uh, the neighborhoods adjacent to the facility, also to create uh, really a new destination in the county and in the region. Uh, we believe that's all possible here at this site because of its location and its uh, its current uh, position in the market. Um, I think you know we've we've talked about a number of these topics. So let's just go forward and look at the competitive analysis. So I mentioned the SWOT analysis, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. This is sort of a, a common uh, way to approach these things in the industry to sort of at a very high level identify uh, the, the key components of how a facility, how a campus like this is operating. So uh, some of the key strengths that were identified by CSL uh, in their surveys of industry groups of users, uh, of community groups, uh, and others was, um, you know, they're they're summarized there. New Holland Pavilions, um, a a great facility, has made a huge impact, uh, clearly a strength. Uh, The large, flexible, flat floor area at the Expo Hall, also a a very uh, strong element uh, and it puts the, uh, the facility here at a competitive advantage relative to other facilities. Um, there's ample outdoor space and parking, a flexible arrangement of facilities, close proximity to downtown Madison, uh, and there's really a, a fairly large population base that can reach the facility within a few hours' drive. Um, some of the weaknesses, uh, the poor condition of the Coliseum and the old arena building will go back to uh, that condition survey in a couple minutes in a, in a slide here that I have, uh, I think, following this one. Uh, limited funding for capital improvements. Mark, uh, I think, hit the nail right on the head. All of those improvements now are funded with debt. There aren't sufficient uh, operating surpluses to fund those improvements annually. Uh, and, you know, we can go through these in some detail, but I think that. Uh, the report really speaks to each one of these bullet points in a lot of detail and um, I'd, I'd invite you to take a look at the report to get that uh, some more of that background in detail. Finally the slide I was looking for. There, so the arena building is is actually uh, on the left, built in 1955. It's uh, fairly small, 40,000 square feet. Um, in the condition survey phase of this with St. Colmes and and C.G. Schmidt. It's in fair to poor condition and they expect uh, and based on our uh, experience we agree that it's got probably about a five to ten year useful life window left. Um, So there is some time with that building uh, but not a lot. The exhibition hall constructed in 1995, 207,000 square feet uh, has a lot of that flexible flat floor flat floor space uh, that we were just talking about has um, you know uh, a good reputation in the industry. It's run very well, um, but it is in need of some upgrades: Wi-Fi upgrades, new furniture, uh, uh, ways to divide and zone the facility for heating and cooling. Uh, all need to be. Uh, undertaken in the next few years to to continue to make that uh, facility viable. The Coliseum built in 1967, this is the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. uh, 10,300 person capacity for concerts, 8,000 fixed seats. It also has some some, uh, uh, flexible floor space that's used in conjunction with the other flat floor areas for large uh, conventions Uh, and and trade shows, Uh, but it is in fairly poor condition. If you've been out there recently, I think that there have been some improvements to it, but it is near the end of its useful life, and uh, buildings of that age, in that configuration, have limitations, Uh, and so what we have said in this report is that if significant investment is to be made in that facility, in a renovation. Um, The Markin Report, which uh, was done sort of about the same time as our report and focused just on the Coliseum. That Markin Report uh, recommended a 40 to 50 million dollar renovation of the Coliseum. If that level of investment is going to be made, we would recommend uh, seriously looking at a new facility rather than putting that kind of money in the existing facility. Uh, finally, the New Holland pavilions, uh, completed in 2014, uh, has been very successful, and I think, Mark, you would agree that it's added to the uh, to the surplus that you're enjoying for 2015. Uh, a great success story.
0: Rob, would you be able to go back to the overview map and show everyone where these individual buildings are located?
8: Yes. On the cover, this guy. So in the foreground, um, it's a little bit of a tough angle. The foreground has the, the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Let's walk up here. In the foreground, the new column pavilions up just above that to the right, Exhibition Hall just to the left, and uh, the uh, old arena complex just adjacent to i see him.
0: With the brown so, layout,
8: yes. So again, the first step was to assess uh, existing conditions and uh, try to enable us to, to create priorities and think about the facilities that are out there. The second step was really to assess industry, industry trends Uh, So we looked at several um, uh, key market segments. Uh, The agricultural, equestrian, and livestock facilities, convention, conference, and meeting facilities, as well as as, uh, sports and entertainment facilities. And the report goes into a great amount of detail on this, so I won't won't run through all this now, but um, We were able to very quickly realize that there are some things that are done very well uh, on on the campus now. The facilities um, have for a long time hosted many events but they're starting to fall behind and some of the competitive set which is summarized here uh, has experienced a lot of investment. A lot of it public uh, trying to elevate these facilities to to higher levels of of guest service. So, to summarize, then some of the key strengths, site accessibility, central location, ample parking, uh, outdoor areas including Willow Island, which are flexible, and rate very highly among user groups, uh, and the New Holland pavilions. Some of the weaknesses, the overall utilization of the facility. as, as uh, some of you already noted sometimes it's very full and well utilized other times it's 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 pretty empty um, I think mark mark can confirm this but it's it's uh, it's difficult to make money on the smaller events we see this over and over in our work throughout the country small events do add activity um, but they're maintenance intensive operations intensive and uh, if you have a Uh, an event that's drawing a thousand people uh, only partial utilization of the parking lot it's tough to make that work as compared to a World Dairy Expo where you're at full utilization and and really uh, uh, maximizing all the facilities at once. One of the key weaknesses then is this this burden of self-funding, so this is something we go back to uh, a number of times in the report and just to illustrate that for purposes of this presentation, we'll look at three of the competitive set, the Ohio Expo Center, the uh, Ford Center, uh, Idaho Center and Horse Park in Idaho and the um, Expo New Mexico Center in New Mexico. Alliance uh, results are shown there in 2014. We, um, we did not have the 2015 results uh, when the study was completed, but uh, you'll notice at the bottom, this was the year that experienced that large $758,000 deficit. You can see the significant uh, debt burden, uh, the $1.66 million of debt, uh, debt service for that year. Um, but if you look at the line items above that, there was actually a, uh, a small operating profit of 262000 that year. Uh, other revenue sources of 640, but with that large debt service payment, it, uh, it pushed uh, the center into uh, a deficit. If you contrast that with some of the other facilities, you'll see that the public contribution line item is pretty robust. So for the Ohio Center, $1.3 million. Uh, the Ford Idaho Center, $1.5 million. And the Expo New Mexico Center, almost $6 million. And now, it just so happens in that year, a large amount of that was for um, capital improvements with the uh, New Mexico Center. But you, you sort of get the idea as a snapshot in time there are significant amounts of public funds going into these facilities on an annual basis that really help subsidize operations and ongoing capital improvements.
10: At the state contribution for the pavilions?
7: Combination of a lot of naming rights.
10: Ah, okay.
8: Thank you. Are we good? So getting then to the real estate analysis. So all this research and condition survey and uh, market analysis kind of led us to this point, which is really where we, we felt that we wanted to spend a lot of time. And, and uh, I think Bob framed it uh, very well. This is sort of leading to those three options. We didn't want to create a master plan at this stage. It's premature to do that, but to create um, a strategic document that, frame certain options, talks about pros and cons of those options I think is very important at this stage. And that's what we set out to do. So we looked at the site. We looked at the adjacencies, some of the, uh, the key strengths and opportunities that we've already talked about, and developed these options. Uh, again, to review the options, option one is I could call it a maintenance repair option. It's a low level of improvement, low level of investment. Uh, but it really doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, certainly doesn't address some of the long-term competitive issues uh, and deferred maintenance issues. It's it's sort of a band-aid approach, in my opinion. Uh, option two, uh, sort of the middle ground uh, option, some limited facility upgrades or replacements, um, a moderate level of investment, some improvement. Uh, And and you could look at option two as sort of a stepping stone to get to option three. But it would need to be be done uh, in a very coordinated and and thoughtful way to get to option three. Uh, And then finally, option three, which is a uh, pretty comprehensive campus expansion with public and private investment. Private investment being the majority of that investment, and we'll go through some of that. Uh, we created just some simple diagrams to help illustrate the point these are not master planning diagrams. We've taken some, uh, gotten some questions about that, uh, but really tried to, at a very high level with diagrams, just uh, illustrate the intensity of development of each option. So option one, again, has very limited changes. There might be some additional green space that could be added. Um, could be uh, upgrades to existing facilities, but really uh, not a lot of capital investment. We don't believe it's a sustainable long-term strategy. Option two, uh, again, could upgrade or replace the Coliseum, um, enhance the connections between facilities, which is a major issue and complaint of some user groups that you you, you have to go outside to go between facilities. They don't feel like they're all connected. Uh, But again, we believe that if this option two were the only thing done, it's really not a long-term strategy to get the center back uh, to that competitive plane that it needs to be on. Uh, And then finally, the third option, which would be phased over time, uh, is a pretty significant redevelopment of the campus. So it would not only uh, redevelop some of the uh, parking lot areas, which would then be uh, changed over to... To some structured parking, but also some of the areas along the periphery, uh, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into these options in more detail. I think what I'm going to do in the interest of time is I'm going to skip over option one, and the impacts. Option two and the impacts. These are covered fairly uh, in a fairly detailed fashion in our report. Let's let's spend a little more time on option three, uh, because we're sort of building these options. Uh, up to this point, so option three would provide higher density. Um, would would provide sort of a best-in-class approach uh, to facilities of this type. Uh, it would put the Alliant Energy Center campus on a par with uh, the best facilities in the United States, and. Just to summarize the program, there were a couple questions earlier. We can get into the specifics now. It it really talks about a new arena uh, to replace the Coliseum. Um, multi-purpose arenas and event centers today um, host everything from concerts to political events to the rodeo to monster truck shows. They are uh, flexible. Um, gathering places for the community and we feel that uh, to create one of those here uh, to replace the coliseum would be a a pivotal part of this plan enhanced site improvements would go along with that but also creating a uh, more of a destination set of elements that would work together as a mixed-use development to you know to really uh, create a, a pedestrian Environment and a campus-like feel. So, commercial office, uh, we would estimate about 800,000 square feet of office is supportable on the site. Residential uh, components of about 400 dwelling units. Hotel. Um, hotel use would be very um, important in a new facility, re- redeveloped facility of this type. Um, it's one of the the major uh, issues that come up in the surveys over and over again. People want to stay on site, they want to walk to their event, they want to have restaurants and, dine, restaurants and retail uh, supporting uh, the event there, all within walking distance uh, so they don't have to get in their car. Uh, so hotel, retail, dining, walkable amenities and, and connections to downtown. Um in order to do this we would consume a little bit of the surface parking and would replace a fairly significant amount of that surface parking with a 1000 car parking deck. The cost uh, the investment, about 90 to 120 million dollars of public investment uh, could be phased over time. But we believe that that level of public investment starts to act as a catalyst to induce three to four hundred million dollars of private investment. And you may ask, why do we think that? That's been uh, our experience on several projects. We'd love to go through those project examples with you at some point. Uh, Probably won't have time tonight. I don't have a lot of slides in here to show those examples, but that is what we're experiencing. That is what we're seeing in other markets uh, throughout the country. And Bob gave a couple of good examples earlier.
0: A question. Yep. Elder cheeks.
5: When you talk about the 120 million dollars in public investment, does that in, does that anticipate the public investment that would um, I'm going to make an assumption be needed uh, to to alter or improve transportation options uh, to downtown?
8: Yeah. And the rest a, of the city. You no. Know, and this is at a very high level. This 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 number is a is a range, but. It, uh, it would include uh, transportation, enhanced transportation connections to downtown. It's a very important part of the plan. Um, what those connections would be or how they'd be done is not really sorted out at this time, but there are lots of different options that, uh, that have been used successfully in, in other cities to do, to do that. Thank you. The economic impacts uh, of that level of investment, certainly new jobs, uh, the private investment and additional spending would drive, uh, based on our calculations, about 30 to $40 million of annual fiscal impacts to the region. So when we uh, analyze projects like this, we like to look at the fiscal impacts primarily because Uh, Some of the other impacts tend to be a little hard to to gauge. Fiscal impacts are easier, they're a little more concrete. It's really direct tax revenue uh, generated from these investments and they're generated by the new facilities and increased activity uh, which is more measurable. Impacts to AEC and uh, to, to the basic ongoing operations of the campus. Uh, significant annual operating surplus created and uh, I'll walk through a little bit of our thinking on that and uh, you know one one important point is that for some larger events there would be a component of parking that may have to go off-site from time to time we see this on a lot of different projects where uh, you try to use the, the land that's directly adjacent to a facility for improvements and you need overflow parking so for larger events that overflow parking uh, would go off-site and there would be transportation links uh, to to get people to the site but um, to continue using all of that land for parking is really not the highest and best use of that land. Uh, Parking is important, Uh, directly adjacent parking is very important Um, but as you noted it's vacant much of the time.
0: Alder Balde? Oh,
10: no. I exactly. guess that's Alder Claire. I'm not sitting in my proper seat, sorry. <laughs> um, on the parking right now, there's a fairly significant, essentially a campground that I know is utilized for some of the events and my understanding is it's, it's very highly valued by those users. Would you anticipate replacing that somehow or would that uh, need to move offsite?
8: You know that, that would be part of the next phase of study. It's, okay. I think it would have to be looked at very carefully. And, you know, I think that the next level of, of analysis is going to have to look at how, you know, how, how impactful is that from a revenue perspective? Um, is it a, something that could be enhanced? Maybe it stays in place and is enhanced further with, you know, um, a higher level of service to those users or maybe um, it's, it's dealt with in a different way but I don't I don't think we know the answer to that right now.
11: Okay, Thank you
8: you know so this is really just kind of summarizing uh, what I what I just uh, went through but um, you know we feel we've been conservative in this analysis we, we've not uh, assumed there's going to be five or six million square feet of, of new development uh, on the campus um, including uh, enhancements to existing facilities. I think we're on the order of about 1.8 to 2 million square feet of development phased over a long period of time. Uh, For a site of that size that's not particularly dense, um, you could argue that that more could be done. But we felt like this was a realistic starting point. We're also very conscious and careful to try to take the existing uh, Financial performance, financial model of of the Alliance Energy Center, and to try to understand how we might uh, impact that, uh, how we might run more business uh, through existing facilities, enhance uh, the rents that that are uh, that are uh, realized from those facilities, also concessions, parking, equipment rental. So we looked at all the line items and tried to. To factor in a range of of enhancement to those uh, to those revenue items, but also to the expense side, uh, to try to realistically model where where this might come out. And it's very hard to read this, but this is dealt with in a in a a great amount of detail in the report. So I'd I'd invite you to take a look at that. But you know, sort of getting to the punchline of of that analysis, we feel comfortable saying that. In a range, um, 9.2 to 12 million of uh, annual incremental revenue is uh, is very possible, coming from fiscal impacts, uh, ground lease revenue, naming rights, additional parking revenue, uh, incremental net uh, net income from operations, and perhaps a new event uh, ticket fee. Of I think we modeled in a dollar per ticket. And you can see as a worst case scenario to fund that public investment we talked about around $120 million. Um, about a $7.5 million annual debt service payment still leaves a net annual public benefit of $1.7 to $4.5 million per year. Um, that's a very high level analysis but what we tried to do is uh, you know, we were challenged actually by by the committee and, and by the county to to prove that uh, this approach was sound. Uh, there was a meaningful return to the public side on the public investment, and you can see that potential return on investment for the public of uh, close to eight percent to ten percent, something in that range. So again, very high level of analysis, but it gives you a, a, a you know ballpark figure of what. Uh, a development option like option three might uh, might result in.
0: Alder Cheeks
5: um, <clears throat> Thank you for, for this high level analysis this is really uh, useful for chewing on I wonder if there are any examples in Wisconsin of naming rights going for, for that value, 600000 to a million a year I'm just not familiar
8: yeah, that's a fairly conservative number. Talking to the
5: mic. Sorry, that's a fairly
8: conservative number. Um, you know, if you look at uh, trying to um, establish uh, a campus that's got uh, millions of, of annual visitors, um, lots, of, uh, lots of annual unique visits, lots of uh, media attention, it's, it's, I think, a very achievable number.
5: Do you, can you think of any examples of of anything going I'm just not I'm not familiar with the relative value of naming rights in, in Wisconsin?
4: I, I can give you um, one example here in Wisconsin and and I could talk about some others as well, but um, I think probably the best example in Wisconsin again is at Lambeau Field uh, when we did that project we never talk too seriously about the idea of, of naming rights on Lambeau Field, although it's, it's in the state law that was uh, put in place to create the redevelopment of Lambeau Field. But I can't imagine that will ever be done. That said, uh, naming rights were sold for the atrium uh, that's part of Tidal Town, and you know that was a good number of years ago, uh, 15 years ago, and at that point in time. Uh, that was sold on the basis of creating this multiple growth in visitation, and it yields a number that's—I can't say the number—but today it's considerably higher than that. Okay. Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of naming rights deals in Wisconsin. Uh, I, I would—I would reference uh, the project we did in Allentown, the PPL Center, uh, which is a very similar strategy to what we have here. It's a new arena. Uh, surrounded by a major economic development uh, in that case the naming rights on that venue sold again for considerably more than what we're referencing here so as Rob said I think it's a good conservative number uh, it's really going to be a function of what the, what the plan is, what the strategy is, what kind of visitation you can generate, what the draw would be to the venue uh, the expected event mix You know, it's, it's really about visitation that's really what you're selling Uh, And and broadcast values and and what have you, but I would be uh, comfortable that what you've got in the estimate there is is very achievable.
8: I'd also say that that's an aggregate too, so this is not just one building or one one campus naming right or sponsorship. You
0: need to talk in the mic. What we see
8: on a lot of these projects is that, you know, especially with a campus of this size, with all these different venues, even uh, to take one venue and begin to To carve it up into separate entry sponsorships, and you know there are building partners, sometimes four or five per building. Uh, There are lots of ways to to do that, and for an aggregate number of uh, you know eight hundred thousand to a million per year, that's that's a very achievable number. That's a number, for example, far less uh, than what we saw in in the Allentown project, Bob was just mentioning.
5: That's useful. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Um, Bob. I just. Yeah, um, just to I, I asked because you know we're we're a humble bunch in Wisconsin, and the idea of putting a million dollars out there just to put your name on something seems foreign. But it's great that you have some examples. Uh, so thank you,
2: Alder McKinney. Thank you very much, uh, Madam President. Would the um, Children's Hospital be an example locally of a? And I don't know where that fit. Um, would that be? A, a naming rate venue
8: yeah I'm not so familiar with that one so I, I, I really couldn't
0: it's American family
8: for the children's hospital but it is it I don't know what the numbers are on that
2: but would it be a good example and I, that was my question
8: uh, It's certainly an
4: example and, and you know you could look at any number of buildings on campus that kind of fit that same model uh, that type of naming tends to be more benefactors you know, Civic-driven, uh, and, and I wouldn't preclude that as a as a possible strategy here. But these are more commercial corporate naming rights. But I, I think any example you could point at like this has some relevance to what what you might be thinking about here.
2: Somehow you're okay. <laughs> Sorry, Alder Carter. Isn't the Alliance? energy center isn't that a naming right or yep. okay so there's already a naming right there right. but you're talking about
8: exactly
2: thank you
0: Alder uh,
9: thanks uh, I was looking at the uh, de- some of the detail uh, in the analysis and in fiscal effect you include state income tax a number of actually most of the money, most of the fiscal impact is state, and only a very small portion of this accrues to the city
8: uh, as I recall I'd have to go back and look at it, but there actually a great deal of the 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 effect goes to the city, less so to the county
9: yes, less to the county yeah. but um I'm going to get back to it, but most of it was to the um, uh, state and then when the when I reviewed the property tax estimates the for example, the property tax estimate for the hotel is based on a, a value of $60 dollars to the hotel when there's no hotel in the city. That has a value of more than 18 million dollars. Um, the Edgewater is 17, the Hilton is 18, so on. And it, both the Hilton and the Edgewater both have, say, uh, property, venue, benefits in terms of both being on the lake, which make them, I think, more desirable than. Being out in this parking lot, um, so building the property tax estimate based on this 60 million value is inflated. How did you come by a 60 million? It's a very value. rough
8: estimate, you know, for a, a hotel of uh, I think we said 240 keys. Right. Looking at values in in the future, thinking this might be, you know, several years off. I think all those. Factors came into play. Uh, it could be less. It could be more. But at this point, we're trying to get to a, just a very uh, general ball- ballpark figure. To well, to it's three
9: times the value of the most valuable hotel in the city, which is, I think, pretty far out of the ballpark. Um, similarly, for the uh, commercial, that is the office space, it was also valued higher than. Two of the most valuable buildings uh, downtown. So, um, in terms of being a conservative um, estimate, these seem to be um, a very radical estimate in terms of uh, expressing the even future values, except for you know wild inflation and
3: so on. Elder So It's always hard to follow David. <laughs> uh, I'm getting much more mundane. Um, so when we were talking about naming rights, the first thing that went in my brain is like, no to Monsanto. But then, <laughs> but then it led me to like, the importance of the egg. You know, market for this facility, and I'm wondering if in your study you really delved any deeper into that as a sector. Now, I mean, I've been working on the public market, so I mean, thinking about like the whole corridor of food and how do we kind of grow those aggregations and connections and serve a larger regional market. But had you used, thought about that in your study, or? or
8: yeah, I think it's a great it's a great program uh, component for a mixed-use facility like this to have. That I'm curious though, how much how much um, land does that require for the for the public market component? It wouldn't be a experience? large
3: land area, but the idea of at least partial idea is that we would work on a district approach. So one building would be a market, but how do we say take that corridor out to Oscar Mayer and grow food related businesses? But when you think about it even a larger scale, obviously this, this facility is a key. Component to our regional food economy, bringing in the World Dairy Expo and you know all the other kind of things that are farm-related. So it seems like it's something to, as an asset we should really look at growing. I mean, if you're so. going to make a hierarchy, I mean obviously you know, you're going to compete for conferences and maybe that's not the best, you know, you said smaller events and maybe, you know, they divvy it up with, you know, Monona Terrace gets those and gets the gets the huge thing. I guess we're, are we done with the era of rock bands, those huge bands? It doesn't seem like, or I don't pay attention anymore. Maybe that's it. <laughs> What's
10: the last one you <laughs> made you I don't I'm too embarrassed <laughs> to say. I don't know.
3: They
8: <laughs> uh, They do, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think those are all, you know, things that we would, we would believe it should be part of the next phase of study, and we've, we've said that actually that a more detailed programming and then design phase needs to come um, as part of the next master planning effort, really to create a whole development approach that's grounded in a you know in a, in a market feasibility and and uh, that fits the needs of the community.
11: Thank
0: you, Alder Aaron.
9: How much in that the. Seems to be like the really bleak spot here, as we all know, is the Coliseum. Um, How much does it cost? What's your estimate or Schmidt's estimate of how much does it cost to tear it down and build another stadium facility of that kind um, for concerts or hockey? Games or whatever yeah. for 10, each to ten thousand people. What what is the estimate of that? Based
8: on you know we've done a few of these projects. Based on that experience, it's it's probably in the in the range of seventy to eighty million dollars. And you know when when we started reading the market report and seeing that as much as you know fifty five million might be spent yeah. on a renovation, you know you really start to have to weigh okay. what that means because in the end you still have a pretty old building, even with a very comprehensive yeah. renovation you know I think that you you want to look at whether that size is the right size, but I think you know that that 80 million, 70 to eighty million gets you to that <coughs> to that ballpark mm-hmm. 18, you know, 10, is a, seats. yeah, ten thousand for concerts, you know eight thousand big seats, something like that. What we're seeing in in markets about this size right now, you know, six to seven thousand seems to be uh, where people are going for fixed seats, expandable to about eight to nine thousand for concerts. That just, you know, one of the trends right now that we're seeing in in a lot of markets.
10: Thanks. If I understand what Bob was saying earlier about the market study, the idea behind that study would be to vet some of the numbers that you've put together in terms of. What will the market bear in terms of office space, retail, the arena, those kinds of things? That's the the goal of that, that work?
8: Yeah, that would be you know part of the next phase would be that detailed market study on each of the components. You know, try to test all the components that might fill out this list of, of program options and begin to to try to put the combination together that works.
11: Thank
0: you. Alder Balde.
11: So, if you go back a couple of slides towards the options, can you go back a little bit? Which, which
8: earlier slides? Yeah.
11: Let's still go. 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 You skipped all these anyway. Yeah. Yep. So here. <clears throat> so if you look at option 3, you are still keeping some of the existing facilities right now. Uh, my question is that in an earlier slide, you did indicate the, life, the remaining life on some of these facilities. Almost all of them are irrelevant, almost. I mean, they are coming to the end of their lives. Did you consider option 4 so that you put everything down and start afresh so that there's nothing like piecemeal thing you know this is done and then you come back after a couple of years well this building is old this other part is not usable so let's look at it again did you guys uh, look at option no, four
8: we, we didn't do that because the exhibition hall which is shown i'll just step up here if that's all right so here is you know is, is in good condition so that would be kept that would be sort of one of the anchors uh, you know, also you know, the new home pavilions are almost branded so those would be retained and then you know, sort of work, work from there. Some of the other facilities could and, and, and probably should be replaced over the next 5 to 10 to 15
11: years. Okay, so that's where I was thinking you know, option 4 so that you know, it's not after 5 years come back again and say look this is not working. Probably even the new thing that we did may also need some uh, 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 some maintenance or something.
8: Yeah, and maybe that that should be done in the next phase of study is to look at you know the what happens after phase three.
0: There is no one else in the queue. Are there any further questions? Not seeing any. Um, I want to thank you all very much for taking time out of your evening to come here and present to us. There's been lots of wondering and questioning, and um, you've been able to clear most of it up, and we look forward to the next phase and seeing what you bring back. So thank you. Thank you very much.
11: Yay.